0: Hey there, and welcome to the podcast of Real Life Spokane. We are so happy you are joining us today. We exist to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And you can help us do that by liking, sharing, or subscribing to this podcast. Let's jump in. Matthew chapter one is where we're going to be today. And uh, this conversation is called... Great joy because God sent his son, Jesus, to earth at Christmas a couple thousand years ago. The angel's proclamation was, hey, I've got good news of great joy for all the people. This is going to be amazing. God is going to bring salvation to all mankind. In that moment, all of mankind was changed. Everything that was hopeless now was filled with hope. Everything that seemed desperate and lost was now being shown with light and filled with joy. And, and for many of us, we've encountered Jesus. We've known him, come to know him, experience his life and his love and, and the freedom that comes with Jesus. But our, our city, our, our schools, our, our families, many people are still far from Jesus. And so we look at this Christmas season as a time of great joy. God, how would you bring great joy to our hearts? How would you bring great joy? through us, God, who our city, how, God, would you use us for people to experience the joy that is found in you? And I, I love this conversation today. We are going to look at a, a little slice of the Christmas story in Matthew chapter one. We got to get to see Joseph's life kind of kind of sideswiped, kind of um, driven almost into the ditch. I don't know if anybody slipped around this morning, but it was icy out. Uh, did you notice this, or maybe it was just early? I was—it was early when I got here this morning. But uh, I hit a corner, probably going a little too fast. I don't know if you ever do this, but um, it was icy, and I didn't find out till like halfway through the corner. You—you you, you know what I'm talking about? When—when when things start to slide in your life like this, what do you do? You grab the steering wheel. You kind of correct things. You straighten the Jeep out so it doesn't, you know, go into the ditch, right? You make sure that you keep it on the road. I remember being in college. Um, some buddies and I. Uh, we were helping one of their friends. I didn't even know the girl, but she she needed her car driven from Denver, Colorado, all the way back to Seattle, where we were at college. And it was a great trip, Christmas break. I don't even remember why we were in Denver for graduation of some sort. And, and uh, we were like, yeah, sure, we'll drive your car. We're up for an adventure. And um, we had never driven from Denver all the way north to Montana, through Montana, all the way back to Seattle. And I remember it was like... Um, five in the morning or something. We had been driving all night and uh, I was driving and uh, I'm a Seattle boy and I don't know what snow driving really is about. Anybody else uh, with me on this? Uh, and and uh, I remember 60, 70 miles an hour. It's Montana, right, Mason? I mean, you just don't have speed limits over there. You, uh, we just go. And, and so it, it happened to be several inches of snow on the pass in this big sweeping corner, and the whole car just decided to spin around. And we're like, literally, we're going 60 this way. And and I had no idea how to correct this thing. I grabbed the wheel, and the guy, Johan, next to me, he just starts saying Jesus' name as loud and as fast as he could. He's like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus." and Josh, my buddy in the back seat, he took his blanket. He woke up as Johan's screaming, and he took his blanket and put it over his head. Like, that was going to protect him as we're sliding backwards down the freeway. By God's grace, we only ruined half the car and still limped all the way back to Seattle. Amen, right? But... uh, Man, when you, hit, when you hit a slide in your life, when something unexpected grabs a hold of your life and kind of derails things, the tendency is to grab the wheel, correct stuff, control things, manage life, figure it out. And I do this all the time. I find myself managing the joy out of life, controlling the joy out of life, kind of white-knuckling the joy out of this life. This this, this is a season of great joy and I am really stressed out, right? Like we find ourselves in this spot all the time. Joseph's life literally got ruined in this arrival of Jesus. Yet God showed up in a miraculous way and was able to bring great joy in this most unexpected time in Joseph's life. And I believe that God wants to to minister to each of our hearts in the the midst of whatever has caught you off guard. If it is a diagnosis like we were just praying about, or if it is a painful family thing going on, or maybe there's a a thing at work that you just can't seem to get on top of. And whatever it is that's got you in a slide right now, I believe that God wants to meet you in that and bring great joy to your heart. So let's look at Matthew chapter one. Look at verse 18 with me, if you would. This is how. The birth of Jesus Christ came about his mother. Mary was pledged to be. Yeah, his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. And will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, listen to this. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. Joseph had a plan. He had his house probably being built. He had um, life being put together. He had a fiance. Things were working well in Joseph's life until he got news that his fiance was pregnant. By the Holy Spirit. I wonder how that conversation went, right? I know I'm not the dad, Mary, like, who's the, well, the Holy Spirit made me pregnant, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right, Mary, like, you just imagine, I wish the gospel writers would have got that conversation in there, but, but man, everything just started sliding out of control in this moment, and, and Joseph, he does, he, he grabbed the wheel, you know what I'll do, I won't disgrace her, but I will divorce her. I, I, I just got to kind of manage my way through this uncertainty and this unexpected curve in the road, and, and I got to work out this situation. He grabs the steering wheel and begins to turn life the way it needs to go. But God interrupted this flow. God interrupted this uh, um temptation of Joseph's to manage the joy out of this circumstance that God actually was up to something supernatural, the salvation of all mankind. He was bringing the savior of the world to the earth and God, by his grace, he shows up in a dream to Joseph, speaks to him and calls him to this place of obedience. I love that God meets us in these places where the unexpected seems to be eating our lunch. He loves to bring great joy to a people who are are white knuckling their way through the slide that's happening in their life. How do we do this? Like, I I just want to kind of call us to some very simple things today that I see God and Joseph doing together in this passage that are so important for us. If you're thinking about like, what are we talking about today? Like, Richie, how do we have great joy in the midst of uncertainty in my life? I would just kind of stop for a second and go, hang on. God has been writing a story for the last several thousand years. And that story started with a dream of God and mankind being in relationship. This is way back in the book of Genesis. When we rebelled from God's leading, God began a rescue mission to come and get us and and pull us out of our sinfulness and our rebellion and, and, and draw us back to relationship with him, eventually sending his son, Jesus Christ, so that anyone who would put their faith in him could be made right with God. All of our sins could be forgiven and washed away. But God has been working for the last several thousand years. God has a plan and God is in control. And I want you to hear this. This is so important for you to just kind of settle your heart in. God is in control. No matter how much of a slide it feels like your life is in right now, God is in control. No matter how uncertain things are, unexpected things are, God is not surprised. God is not caught off guard. God is not wondering how things are going to turn out. God is in control. I say it like this, that you and I just need to settle our hearts on the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty is this kind of fancy theological word for that God is good and he's in control and he knows what he's doing and he has a plan and he's working that plan and you and I have no idea. We don't have the same thoughts that God has. We don't have the same ideas as God. God's got a way different picture than what we do. He can see things. He can hear things and understand things that we don't know. He knows the beginning. He knows the end, but God is in control and you and I can find joy in all of the unexpected moments because God is in control. And when you settle your heart on the sovereignty of God, you just kind of take a deep breath. I don't know what you do in the car when it starts sliding. Maybe you're yelling at everybody else. It's their fault, right? They distracted you or you're smacking people in the car with you. Like we start flailing, don't we? We just need to kind of calm down for a second and go, wait a second. God, you're in control. You're in charge of my kids, my job, my marriage. You have a plan. You have a purpose. You know the next steps you've ordained them Ephesians 1 11 says in him we were also chosen you were chosen by God having been predestined or pre-thought out according to the plan of him who works out everything in the conformity with the purpose of his will he is he was—he he is making everything work out according to His purpose. You and I have a choice. Do we be a part of it? Do we trust Him or not? But ultimately, God's will is going to prevail. That's His sovereignty. That's His purpose. And you and I make a decision. Am I going to be a part of it or not? Am I going to white-knuckle the joy out of every bit of my life? Or am I going to take a deep breath and go, God, you're good. You are in control. You are working in this life, working in these people, working in my school, working in my family. God, you are good, and you are in control. Oh, just take a breath, right? In Matthew 10, Jesus says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Think about sparrows. Apparently, they would sell them to each other for different things and purposes, and they're not worth very much. Two of them are worth a penny. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. They're not so of little value that not even one of them. God notices when they die. Think of this, think of one of the least valuable things like in your life that seems to really not matter much. Even that thing God knows and sees and understands that that little insignificant thing. And even the very hairs of your head, Jesus says, are all numbered. I know every single one of you. I know your purpose. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I created you for a very specific reason. I understand all your nuances and all your idiosyncrasies and all your craziness. And I I know every bit of you, every hair on your head is numbered. So don't be afraid. I love this. Don't be afraid, Jesus says. You are worth more than many sparrows. My father in heaven, he knows you. He's got purpose for you. He's in control, and he wants you to experience joy, life, freedom, hope in him. You can just settle your heart on the sovereignty of God and go, God, you're good. You love me. You have purpose for me. You're in control. I don't got to grab a hold of this life and fix all these issues. I I I can just settle my heart right here for a moment and trust that you are in control. Romans 8 verse 28 is such a powerful promise. We know that in all things, all things that we knew, all things we didn't know, all things we love, all things we don't like, in all things, things that seem evil, things that seem hard and difficult, all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. In everything that's happening in your life, God is not like caught off guard and surprised. He is working all those things together for the good of those who love him and those who have been called according to his purpose. When there's sickness, there's difficulty, there's evil in this world. Those are not things that God is doing on purpose to try to you know, get you or or, or or make you pay for something. There's just evil in this world because we live in a fallen world where sin exists, darkness exists, pain exists, sickness, all of this stuff exists. But here's how good our God is, is that even though these things are happening in your life and, in, and all around you and people you care about, God is still able to work those things together somehow for his purpose, for the good of those that are in the middle of that. That's how good our God is. He's not like, freaking out. How am I going to work this one out? He knows exactly who you are and where you're at and what you're going through, and he is in control. And you can just settle your heart on this, that God loves you, right? He's in control. He's got this. And for you and I, this is so important if we're going to find joy in these unexpected moments, because joy comes knowing God's in control. Oh, even though I'm freaking out and I have no control and no idea what to do, you're not. And you're good. And you're working, God, and I can trust. See, see, faith is this moment right here where we choose to put our hope not in ourselves and our circumstances, but in the power, the control, the love, the goodness of God. I want to encourage you in this passage. It's really interesting how Joseph responds. I think it's God's grace in a lot of ways to show up to him. But you see Joseph going, okay, I got a plan now, and it got ruined. Now I got to make a new plan. Here's my new plan. I'm going to divorce her. While he was still considering this, I love how Matthew 1 says that, that that an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he began to speak to Joseph. I think one of the biggest temptations where we lose joy and and struggle in the midst of unexpected moments, the slide in our lives, is when we jump too quick to solve things, to fix things, to make things happen. Sometimes, here'd be my encouragement from this passage, sometimes you just need to not do anything. You just need to stop for a moment. You You ever heard that, right? Like, don't just stand there, do something. I would maybe say the opposite. Don't just do something, stand there. Because it's in the doing of something that oftentimes we grab the wheel, we overcorrect, we, we ruin relationships, we, we blow people up, right? We're like, we're like kind of this explosive fix-it people, right? Trying to make everything okay again. And, and many of us, we don't know what God is telling us to do. We just know we don't like this. And so we try to solve this. And, and so we jump to fix it, do it, change it, make it all better. Don't. Like, I love that Joseph is is interrupted in the midst of his his fixing moment here. And God shows up to him in his grace, and he begins to speak to him. Hey, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And and I've got a plan, the salvation of all mankind. You you see, Joseph is hearing from God in this moment. And I would caution us, don't just do something. Discipline your heart to hear God from God. So what are you doing? You're seeking God. You're you're humbling yourself. You're praying. You're diligently desiring to know God's leadership, his direction in your life. You have been given a gift. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have the power of the spirit of God inside you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. You know what the Holy Spirit is? He's our comforter. He's our advocate. He's the one that leads us into all truth. He's the one that reminds you of everything that Jesus ever said. So if you're ever wondering what to do, good news, you have the spirit of God inside you. You don't just got a white knuckle, grab a hold of the wheel and figure things out you have the spirit of God, right? You have an opportunity to hear from the living God and he can direct and order your steps. He can make your path straight, right? He can make your ankles strong. He can make the valleys full and the mountains low. He has the opportunity to lead you if you'll listen, if, if you'll seek him. Oh man, I was reading this morning, Second Chronicles 7. Man, if you find your, your the, the heavens shut up and I'm, it's not raining and, and the locusts are devouring your land, if my people who are called by my name would do what? They would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and, and turn from your wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive you of your sins and heal your land. But you and I being disciplined to humble ourselves, grabbing the wheel is so prideful. It is, it's us thinking we know what's best. I know how to lead the way through this. God, you put me here, I'm going to make this happen. Maybe you're not even praying, you're just grabbing and straightening things out. The slide is on and you're just counter sliding and correcting, right? Trying to fix it. There's pride in that. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek my face, he says. Think of this. The God of the universe wants to make his face known to you. All throughout the Old Testament, when God would reveal himself to people, he wouldn't even allow them to see his essence. There would be a a, a sense of God there. But yet here he's saying, seek my face. you got to get to know me, my leadership, my promptings, my voice in your life. you got to understand what I'm saying to you. Don't just do something. Seek my face. Allow me to speak. See, here's where joy comes. God spoke. Like he he revealed himself to you. Joy comes as you know, I know my next step because it's not my next step, it's God's next step and he's the one that's in control and he's leading me to take this step. That's so joy filled when you're not the one uh, that's kind of the master of your own destiny that the God of the universe has given you a step to take. He's spoken to you in your life and now you have courage, confidence, faith to take the step that he's calling you to take. Don't just do something, seek his leadership in your life. And this is is where I think joy really starts to come because you're not dependent on yourself anymore. Now the God of the universe is leading your life. What a gift. See, so many of us, man, we've come to Jesus, but we are still self-reliant. We're not dependent on the spirit prompting us. We're just managing our life the way we know life should go. It's not actually God leading us. It's just us leading us, and we do Christian things and say Christian stuff, but our heart is hard towards God's leading. And I think this is an invitation for you to soften your heart. Go, I don't know what to do. Think of that. What if you could just admit to yourself, it takes so much humility to go, I'm not sure. I don't know what my next step is. I don't know how to lead my family through this mess. I don't know how my my kids are going to turn out. I'm not sure about this diagnosis. I don't know what to do next. And in that place of humility, the next opportunity is to go, but God, I trust that you do. And that you're going to speak, and that you're going to reveal, and that you're going to lead this life. And I can just settle my heart on your sovereignty and and wait to hear from you. Don't try to just react. It's it's kind of bad decision making in the midst of the crisis. To just flail around and, and try to make things happen. Wait. Wait for God's leading. Seek his face. Trust his leadership. And, and really try to hear from him. I, I I, do. I dream about this real life. That you would hear from God. You wouldn't rely on, on what I say. What some YouTube person says. Some awesome podcast person. But that the God of the universe would meet you where you are and you would hear from him and confidently walk in obedience to his leading in your life. I think that this is so critical that you don't just kind of like glom on to somebody else's faith, but that you own it. I mean, some of you young people in the room that this is not just a thing your parents have you do, but this is who you are. You know, Jesus. You hear his leadership in your life. We got to baptize Jackson. What is he? Eight, nine, nine years old, last service. And, and this kid was like, I need to get baptized. And everybody around him knew he needed to get baptized. And we're all like, yeah, let's help you do that. And it took way too long. Jackson is like, uh-uh, I need to get baptized. And what I love about this is he's got this childlike innocence. Like, well, when I, when I get educated enough to understand how to follow Jesus, no. When, when, when I when I get my life all squared away, no. Jesus told me to get baptized. I'm going to get baptized, right? There's a simplicity to obedience and hearing God's prompting and leading your life. We get all sophisticated and overcomplicate everything, and I feel like God's like, hey, hey, you're not that big of a deal, right? You don't know what you're doing, and I do. Would you allow me to lead you and just settle your heart on my control, my sovereignty, and, and seek my face, trust that I'm going to speak to you, and when I speak, Go, obey, listen, do what I ask you to do. Joseph did that. I love that. When he woke up, verse 24, he did what the angel Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home to be his wife. He had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And listen, and he gave him the name Jesus. That's what the angel told him to do. You give him the name Jesus because he's going to save people from their sins. That's a pretty important name because he had a massive assignment. You don't get to make up the name for your son, Joseph. I've got it already picked out because he is the savior of the world. And Joseph woke up and did what God told him to do. See, as a people, as Jesus' people, we are desperate to be led by Jesus, right? That we call ourselves Jesus' church. We want to be his church because that means he's the leader of our lives and directing our steps. We don't just kind of put on this, like this Christian thing and and go about our normal life the way we think it needs to go. No, no, no. We are submitted to God's leading in our life. We are humble before God. We are seeking his face, desiring his leadership and obedient when he speaks to every single one of us. See, here's what's so good about God is he's able to speak to all of us. He puts the same spirit inside of each one of us and he's able to take all of our different backgrounds and all of our craziness and all of our stories and he's able to bring us together as one unified because we have the same spirit inside of us leading us on the same direction for the purpose of God for every single one of our lives here's the testimony to the to the world that's watching us you, you look just as stressed out as everybody else, right? No, no, when you and I have joy in our hearts going, God is leading me, we are a part of a team that is on a mission together, seeing God's love pour out through us, man, the world starts to take notice. Jesus said, they're gonna know that you are my disciples by your love for one another, right? There is a unity that comes through the bond of Jesus' spirit inside of us, empowering us to be his people. The more obedient we are to his promptings, the more unified we are, as his church. Amen. And that unity begins to speak to a lost and dying world. We're not stressed out white knuckling our way through this life. We have joy. We have a sense of peace. God is in control. He's speaking to my life. He's speaking to all these other crazy people around me. And we are in this together. And it is so much fun to watch God use us as we love and serve people around us. And I I think about just the opportunity that we have this Christmas season. I go, God, what a gift that you would allow us to be a people on mission with you. Look at this Christmas season. See, Jesus came for a very specific reason to save all mankind from their sins, to rescue people out of hell. Why is this good news of great joy? Because sinners are forgiven, because captives are set free, because blind eyes are opened, because people that have been in bondage are released from prison. See, this is good news of great joy. That is salvation for all mankind. We're putting five Christmas Eve services together. On the 23rd, we got two of them, three on the 24th. Why? Because there is a city that needs to know the good news of great joy that is found in Jesus Christ, right? Because you have a friend that you need to get there and they can't get there on Christmas Eve. So they're going to come on the 23rd with you. And then you're probably going to come back on the 24th with your family, right? Like, because we just got to figure out how do we help people experience the love and the grace and the joy that we are finding in Jesus. We want so desperately for people to know who God is and what he's doing in our lives and the joy that he's filling us with see I think about every single one of us that God has got you here for a reason he has so much in mind not just for you individually but for us collectively and as you and I humble ourselves before him seek his face he leads these lives man so much miraculous is about to break out as you and I just kind of settle our hearts there in his sovereignty, allow him to fill us with joy. And man, we have an opportunity to experience God in a way we've never experienced before. And I believe that that he wants to work through you so our city can see the joy that comes in Jesus Christ. Today, life. I hope that you hear this more than anything as I wrap up here is this, that God is in control. I know it feels unexpected and that it's hard. We, last service, um, we were praying for a friend of ours that's been a part of our church for several years that um been battling COVID. and It pulled him off life support this morning. We were praying that God did a miracle, and God took him home to be with him just an hour ago. And I know the unexpected, it's hard. And I know that it doesn't always make sense the way we think it should make sense, but I think through that pain of that, the unexpected that you sense and all of that, God hasn't stopped being God. He wanted Will to go home now and thank you, Jesus, that you're holding them in your arms right now. God wants you and your heart to be soft towards him. I'm sorry it's been so hard and that the pain has been so much. The stress has been just overwhelming you. But I pray that today you would just kind of take a breath and just allow the joy of knowing that God is in control just to settle in your heart. In fact, I'd just love to pray with you. Maybe just close your eyes this morning. Jesus, that you hold will now. Thank you, Jesus, that you're close to his family, that you're holding them. Thank you, Jesus, for all those kids and families in Africa right now, Ethiopia, that are navigating that conflict. You know each of them by name, Jesus. You see every one of our stories. You hear every one of our questions. You know our longings, our fears. God, you meet us right here. We seek your face seek your heart we seek your desires we seek your will God we lay aside our demands and our grabbing of the steering wheel God we just just let go maybe you just need to open your hands for a moment letting go of control letting go of demands Letting go of rights, privileges, just humbling yourself. Oh God, we humble ourselves. Oh God, that you would hear from heaven. God, that you would forgive our sins. Oh God, that you would heal our land. Heal our hearts. Oh, you are so good. Oh, you're so gracious. You're so loving and kind. Oh, your freedom is so good. Oh, God, you break those bonds of oppression in our hearts. Oh, God, you sever the ties of those anxieties that we've been holding on to. In the name of Jesus. God, you give us your spirit, your freedom, your voice, your leading. God, you give us yourself. Thank you that you are good and that you are in control. If you're here today and you have not yet surrendered to Jesus, here's our hope is that you would just prayer right now say yes Lord I, I need a Savior I need to be saved from my sin I can't manage this life I need your freedom I need the life that's found in you Jesus we believe wholeheartedly as you pray this that God would give you his spirit right now he would rescue you out of hell And he'd give you the gift of his spirit to become all that he's made you to be and that you could begin a journey today with us as a church, as a team, as a family, becoming who God's called us to be. Just say yes to him. Lord, we are a people that say yes. Like Joseph said yes, God, we say yes. As you speak, we'll follow. As you lead, we'll stand step. trust you. Thanks again for tuning in to the Real Life Spokane podcast. We want to encourage you and help point you closer to Jesus. So be sure to visit our website or to reach out on that phone number. We love you, Real Life. See you next time.